Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Paul Rudd and Justin Thoreau on their new film, Mute, Underrated Comedies and Flatulence. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to a classy edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh. That's Sammy. Hi. Uh, are you disappointed that I brought together two of the most charismatic men on the planet only to talk about farts? Yeah, of course I am. I also, this is an amazing... This is really exciting for me. I know. It's a big moment I thought you were going to ask if I'm disappointed that you didn't tell me when they were here so that I couldn't sneak a peek. And my answer was, yes, absolutely. But then you asked me about their farts instead. I just knew it was... I knew that it was a little too much for you. I have, like, a weird reaction to just... Like, I feel like if I saw him, I'd want to, like, curtsy. <laughs> like, I, I, like, wouldn't know how to... When did the Justin Thoreau... Because a lot of people share your love. I feel like... I mean, everybody loves Paul. Of course everybody yes, loves Paul. Yes, of course. You marry Paul. Okay, I don't want to follow up. I, I think I know what you want to do with Justin. <laughs> yeah. But when did that manifest? Um, was it recent on Leftovers? Was it when Six he Feet and- Under. Oh, okay. He's got a... A nice little role in there. Okay. Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder's great. I love him. I've always, like, loved him. But then last year at Comic-Con, we saw him. I saw him in person for the first time for Ninjago. And I literally was, like, I wanted to, like, like, I started, like, moving like a robot. Like, I couldn't. (laughs) I've never been in the presence of someone Mm. that um, sexually attractive. Wow. Okay. Well, there's a lot of sexual tension. Besides Paul Rudd. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of sexual tension in this conversation. Uh, I can imagine. Um, look, when you get three masculine dudes like this yeah. together in a room. You guys talk about motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totes. We actually do talk. Oh, I, thank you for reminding me. I want to give a little context. At the outset, I bring up fantasy football. Um, and we didn't really get into why. And I want to give context because I'm going to sound like a crazy person. The backstory is... Garrett Hedlund was on a recent podcast. You know this story. But Garrett Mm -hmm. Hedlund was on a recent podcast, and he was talking about the fantasy football league he's in with basically every, like, big-time superhero. Like, half the Avengers are in this league. Uh, You know, uh, uh, Pratt and Evans and Rudd. And uh, it got a lot of press, and I've since run into Garrett a couple times, and I've run into Paul since as well, and basically have caught wind that... Within the Avengers community, within, within this fantastic fantasy football community, it caused a, a lot of uh, back and forth in a good way. I think it's fine. So I was, I, I was, I wanted to get to the bottom with Paul. We didn't really get to the bottom of it. I didn't really ex- even get a chance to explain what I was talking about. But that's why I bring up fantasy football in the beginning for context. I'm, thank you for that. I am. I always forget Paul Rudd's an Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like, cause it's amazing. He's, he's still Paul Rudd. I, and I said to him, I'm like, I'm surprised. Not only is he an Avenger, he's played Ant-Man by now like four or five times. <laughs> I still crazy. feel like he's like the new yeah, guy. Yeah, he's like new, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, Ant-Man, new Ant-Man and the Wasp. It comes out this summer. Um, and, and this is actually... You know, I was so excited to get this combination. I've never had either of them on the podcast. I've done a thousand things with Paul, less uh, with Justin. Um, and... I, I kind of had a feeling what this kind of conversation would be like, and it turned out to be the best case scenario where it's, um, you know, a, not a ton on the movie. It goes off in weird tangents. <laughs> They're both so witty and funny, obviously. Um, but I do want to mention a little bit about the film because the film is really good. Um, the film is called Mute. Uh, it's from Duncan Jones. It's available on Netflix. Duncan Jones, if you don't know, uh, directed the great movie Moon with Sam Rockwell. If you've never seen that, I highly recommend it. Source Code with Jake Gyllenhaal, Warcraft. And he, this is his kind of pet project. This is a, a film he's wanted to do for, I think, like 15 years. 
kind of the shorthand is it's um it's almost like Blade Runner with a little Casablanca. Ooh. Yeah, it's got a real distinct look. Alexander Skarsgård actually is the mute of the title. Okay. He's a mute because, I mean. Is why that is- why he has the hair? Sure, let's go with that. Okay. Um, and uh, and 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 Justin and Paul are um, these kind of like nefarious surgeons, underground <laughs> surgeons. Um, there are a lot of twists and turns in this film. I don't want to give away too much, uh, but it's definitely a you know it's it's not for everyone. And I say this in in the conversation, and I think that's a good thing. It's a very quirky, odd, dark, um, darkly comic at times piece of sci-fi noir. <clears throat> noir, excuse me. I, but I do recommend it. I think, you know, based on my description, I think you'll know if it's for you or not. And, and give it a try. It's, it's a it's I'm a I'm going to give it a try. Work. Right? Yeah. Um, and they both have very weird looks in it. I don't know if you've seen pictures of them in this. Like, uh, Paul has, like, these horrible, like, mutton chops. And <laughs> and Justin has this, like, garish, like, blonde wig. Oh. Yeah. So they've, they've done their best to ugly them up. But they're still Justin Theroux. Yeah. They, mm, yeah. Um, but, yes. Uh, suffice to tell you, we talk about that. We talk a bunch about... Um, about comedies in general, about underrated comedies and their careers. Uh, and yeah, somehow we get into uh, doing fart noises for an extended period of time. So, oh, what a treat for yeah. your listeners. Yeah, so a special pa- little treat. I'm not going to take flack for that. I didn't bring it up. They, I think I think Paul started it. Okay, blame, throw Paul under the bus. Well, That's real professional. Um, and, oh, and I was telling you this. Oh my God, yes, you wouldn't tell me until the intro. Well, here, so here's a fun kind of New York story of all things. So Let's I, hear it. So I did this with Justin and Paul two days ago. Um, and then yesterday, I'm at a coffee place uh, catching up with a friend. And Paul Rudd walks by, sees me through the window, and comes in. And we had a lovely little another catch-up. Well, yeah, was there like anything left to say? You had just had this forty-five minute conversation. We it's like it was actually an. Ex- we, did you just talk shit on Justin Thoreau the whole time? Or? Well, it's funny <laughs> you say that. Literally, the first thing he he walked in, he's like, "Justin Thoreau is such a dick, right?" <laughs> um, it's like I know Paul. You know? We all know Paul. Yeah. Paul is exactly what you think he is, and 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 he's yeah, he's he's just a good guy. What a treat that is. It was I, as I said to you, I think, and others yesterday. I, I highly recommend just running into Paul Rudd if yeah, you can. I'm gonna try it. It really just brightens up your day. I'm just going to follow him around until like... No, I wouldn't recommend that. Oh. I, sorry. <laughs> Let misunderstood. Let him bump into you. You don't bump into him. Oh. But okay. I'll try it. The regrettable part is the person I was I was having coffee with, and you know this person, mm-hmm. it, I wish it was somebody that like, I didn't know that I was like trying to impress. Yes. That would have been but ideal. It was, it was just wasted. Completely. It might as well not have happened. I mean, you have to tell Paul, be like, next time you have an important meeting, you have to tell him yeah. when and where and be like, I need you, buddy. Yeah, next job interview, yeah. something. Oh, my God. All I got was, like, the respect of, like, random coffee patrons. Yeah. We're like, that. oh, that was nice of Paul Rudd to, to talk stop to that and talk monster. to that, yeah, that man crying alone and talking to himself. That's right. There was nobody else yeah, in the coffee store. Exactly. <laughs> um, what else to talk about? Uh, well, a couple of interviews I should point out of, uh, on the website, on MTV's site that I've done recently uh, outside of the podcast. Um, I mentioned Black Panther last week. Uh, by now, it is in theaters, and it's made a gajillion dollars. But still check out the uh, interview I did with Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan. That's on the uh, MTV's website, or uh, probably MTV YouTube is probably the best place to find it, or MTV Facebook. Um, and I also talked to Eddie Redmayne. 
My good old buddy, Eddie Redmayne. Newt Scamander himself. That's right. We talked a bunch about Fantastic Beasts, and he is uh, he's delightful, and he stars in a, in a fun uh, new family uh, film called Early Man. It's from the Ardman guys the, of Wallace, Wallace and, Gr- and Gromit. Exactly. So uh, that's that's a treat for the family, so check that out. And it's like 75 minutes, by oh, the way. Oh, that's, that's it. I'm Come in. On. Come that's on. all I need. Come yeah. on. Uh, anything else we should say, Sammy, or should we just let Justin and Paul carry the day? I think we let Justin and Paul carry. There's a lot of fun surprises coming up, so let them <laughs> let them just enjoy this for now. Okay, fair enough. Uh, remember, guys, please review, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. I was saying uh, last week. I have noticed that since we since we've been mentioning this. We're getting a bunch of reviews and, right. and ratings, and almost all of them are actually good. No way. <laughs> yeah. Your wife's so nice. I, yeah, I, yeah. Please, if she had that kind of commitment to the <laughs> podcast, she's probably, she, she actually is listening right now. Please uh, review and rate and subscribe. Please. Please. Um, please enjoy this conversation with Paul Rudd and Justin Thoreau. Oh, you're so lucky. I am. I'm blessed. You are. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Uh, and enjoy Mute uh, on Netflix. See, I'm quiet now. That was me doing mute, yeah. I don't know if you're are about we to on, take a, a sort of a selfie are we in front already, of already uh, taping. Don't you feel it? Is this live? There's no, no. Oh. Do you not understand how podcasts work? <laughs> I've heard of them. No. Do you ever listen to podcasts, Paul? Oh, oh God, I I you have a podcast. Nokia phone. You should have, have, yeah. be able to. No, I love to dial up. I dial up our last podcasts on my Nokia, and they, uh, I like the one. I really loved I, Serial. Oh, <laughs> so good. I mean, it's just like the characters are so rich. So rich. Yeah, so yeah. 2015. And the sound effects are like. Um, they got. They've got to reopen that case. They have to. <laughs> so have you seen? Have you seen? Have you seen the Jinx? <laughs> did you see what Portlandia did I on I wish the... they would make a, a, a podcast of the jinx. <laughs> um, Portlandia did a really good bit on, on did they really? the season. Really <laughs> okay. good satire. I always love that sort of NPR sound effects-y, like, there's a certain tone yeah. of voice oh, that yeah. those, that the people who, it's like, so I went down to Crackleberry, Mississippi <laughs> to see someone, and they popped into a little banjo store. You know, and then it's like, and then you hear like, you know, it's got a distant sound. Like it's the kind of town, in the room. but it always sounds like the person is like, we get it. You're from yeah. New York and you're going to somewhere, whatever. <laughs> and then they crackle, go like Crackleberry, Crackleberry, Mississippi. It's like, it's a kind of town where you might see a kid running down with a stick, you know, dragging it across a picket fence. You know, it's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, what are you? Like, but then again, it also might be a town where you would see a murder. <laughs> For those just joining our podcast today, we're sitting in the Crosby Street Hotel. We're sitting in the Crosby Street Hotel. Um, I keep waiting for a, a parody of The Daily, which I love that podcast. New York Times, The Daily. Have you heard that one? I feel like that's ripe for I have satire. not heard oh, really? The Daily. Which I highly recommend it. Oh, New York has Times. The, Look at this guy. It has the affectations. I have, a, I have The New York Times actually on me. I actually oh, have a print boy. Copy oh, of the New York Times. Oh, boy. You're so well hey, read. <laughs> You're so smart. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, what's happening on the uh, cover of the home books uh, section? Yeah. There's no home books uh, section. Uh, there's uh, no uh, home uh, book uh, section. Well, what's, what what's happening in the oh, – there's a new product yeah. I read about on circuits in the circuit section. Yeah, what's going on it's with, really uh, good. with uh, so we'll about a David Pogue? <laughs> uh, so how long have you been into fake news then, Josh? <laughs> yeah. How am I doing with the Avengers Great. since the fantasy football? Uh, uh, I got to go. I'll see you later. Uh, have you heard about this, Justin? No, I, 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 I really brought divisiveness among the Avengers because 
there's a fantasy football league, which apparently you haven't been invited to. I'm sorry. I don't. Paul knows this about me that I do not know even how points are scored in football practically. <laughs> yeah, at least I'm not the sportiest guy. Points, at least not runs. So yeah. you basically are just not into a game played by essentially 20-year-old guys. <laughs> I'm not into a game. I'm A, not into the game that's being played yeah. by 20-year-old guys. I'm definitely not into the game played by older guys where you're fantasizing about the game <laughs> yeah. that's not being played. It makes sense. That somehow is based on statistics. Well, to me, it's like Dungeons & Dragons, but it is. that's cooler. It's, it's all the same. It, it, by the way, doing fantasy football, watching sports in general, whatever. These are all ways to just distract us and get us somewhat in, just invested by time before we die. Wow. Thanks it's, for bringing us. That's all, all it is. Up. That's great. That's really what this is. And I, even as a kid, found you it know what? somewhat amusing. I would so that, much rather, you know, go jump in a, uh, a puddle after it rains. Or, <laughs> but I would so much rather, you know, like go out in the garden and put my feet and my hands in the earth and, and smell the herbs that... Mm-hmm. that, that, that uh, Justin that loves I, smelling yeah. herbs. Yeah. I'm he's, just, he's a big herb smeller. You know, or just look up every now and again. I never forget yeah. to breathe. Oh, never looks up. Well, it's... Uh, you know what? In New York, who does? I mean, this city... <laughs> Uh, I'm talking to Paul Rudd, who's just arrived in New York City at the Cosby <laughs> Street Hotel. Am I wrong even as you do ki- that kind of work? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go no, back. No, 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 no. Okay. I was, I was, uh, look, I don't want to keep harping on this football thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even popular. as a kid, I thought when I would watch like the NFL today and I'd see men in their 50s and 60s wearing suits talking about this and think they're at their work this is their job right to talk about a game that people who could be their sons are playing i remember thinking this is all so dumb should i show you photos of the characters you played in this film you guys are being pretty silly yourself <laughs> yeah, i know do <laughs> you think people watch it go here is a man who grew a mustache yeah. that's enormous you do realize you play to- an ant man in movies paul with all due respect mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's yeah. definitely a childhood fantasy thing, though. That's that. That's actually that's more realistic to me. You know, it's like when you get to shoot a gun in a movie, and you think, "Well, if you could have told me at age eleven that I'd get to shoot a gun and have a bloody thing blow up on my chest or have a knife," have you gotten to be me. the guy running around with a gun yeah. chasing somebody? And was that a big moment for you? Not in life. <laughs> Listen, anything's possible. <laughs> <That's> um, young. <laughs> exactly. It's only two o'clock in the afternoon, so, so I'm hoping podcast. for a big night. Justin was at the Crosby Street. <laughs> he pulled out a Glock and started running after <laughs> <Exactly>. me. <laughs> Um, I think that's more real, a more realistic dream or hope. I had, the, uh, I had that thing when I like, watched the the Super Bowl, where I was watching these enormous men with beards and things. You know, and I, I remember, and I'm much older than them, and I thought they still look older than me. But I couldn't tell if it was my younger self who had seen those big old. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And I also still do that even when I watch like the Olympics where I go like yeah, I could probably do that if I really practice <laughs> you, know, like, you were that, like watching figure skating just, last night you're I like, don't know what it is you're like slalom skiing I think like you know if I really push myself and train for a couple years I feel like these old bones could do that <laughs> there know? are some events that you know like come on curling curling I like feel like we could you, master yeah, there's like what's the age limit on that or um, well, there's luge, which seems like you luge. just get into a yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's basically going on a roll, on a ride. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. 
if you're just riding something. It is true. People make a big deal out of luge. The truth is, there's no skill required. (laughs) (laughs) Here's your commentary on the luge, luge, guys. Here's the truth. Although, did you see this story? Here's here's how most trainers uh, instruct their lugists. They just say, hey... Do whatever happens. Do don't, not sit up. Don't sit up and don't fall off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And don't try and slow it down. That's don't, literally what they train. Right. Don't try and be a hero and do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Did you see the story of this kid? He's in the Olympics. His name's Tucker. Some, Tucker something. Or other. He's. I think he's 19 or maybe he's early 20s now. Uh, I, he he is competing or competed. Uh, didn't win an, a medal. So he's not that good. Uh, wow. No, he's great. Um, what sport are we talking in about? In luge. Oh. But this is, I love this uh, uh, story that he, when he was a kid, he was watching the Olympics and his dad's like, I want to watch this with my kid to see what he might be into. Right. This is an amazing dad. Um, the kid, he's six. He's like, I like that. Like any six-year-old would. And he goes, I want to do that. And then... His dad took his, his dad, belt off. His dad, they went to Home Depot, <laughs> and they built a luge track uh, in his backyard. Uh, that's too much love. That's a little too much. You it's know, incredible. You know, and the, and the track still exists. And, and because of that, this guy is competing in the Olympics. Uh, at, for luge and what an amazing yeah, story. Yeah, but how many I, stories I wish, are like that? Sorry, guys. Yeah. I wish they'd give gold medals to fathers. Oh, hey. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, it's, so yeah, it's, cool. just, it's okay. You know, just because he... He definitely wouldn't bronze in my book. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, How many dads oh, did that? That was, that was really, that was really good. That was, that was really good. I wish. <laughs> that was really good, man. Uh, you're right. By the way, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Hey, and moms, too. Yeah, yeah let's not forget the mom. The mom <laughs> you know the, the, the soccer uh, moms. Hockey practices, they, they got to load up the car, mm-hmm. all the equipment. I saw I tell pick you. It up from, pick them up from practice. Mm-hmm. Get them to the rink on time. <laughs> what are you grooming your children for? <laughs> Uh, I don't groom my children. <laughs> it's too personal. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, uh, they're old enough Self-reliance. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I insist they do that themselves. Do they groom you? Uh, they don't groom me, no. Um, occasionally we will sit on the couch, watch TV, and then pick gnats out of each other's hair like gorillas, <laughs> which technically oh, does count Your household sounds like a lice-ridden bell hole. <laughs> My kids are in school, and we have. Well, here's the thing, my apartment is filled with mites. <laughs> oh God, it's the worst. It makes them hard, harden them up young. Yeah. So, oh, you're in a movie together. Yeah, we are. This is not your first movie together, guys. It's our fourth, fourth I think, fourth right? Movie. Fourth I do the math together. right. Yes, correct. Uh, the Baxter, of course. Mm-hmm. The Ten, which I have a lot of affection for. Mm-hmm. Of course, Wanderlust. Mm-hmm. Look at that. All yeah. without even looking at it. No, no, you know that. That's, impre- <laughs> that's really You're like good. An, ex- an encyclopedia of our movies, <laughs> well, <laughs> which is the smallest encyclopedia in the world. So, Roger Ebert once did a pamphlet on us. <laughs> <laughs> so, did Duncan know of this uh, beautiful love affair that was already existing when he? Oh, uh, I don't know if he did. Actually, I'm not sure. I don't know. I think I think he learned uh, once once he had sort of reached out to us. I think he learned. Oh, they're friends. You know, someone right. clearly had told him that. Now, had you guys been like on the audition circuit together? Had you been up for the same? Paul roles? was infuriatingly on fire from the moment he stepped foot in New York. Is that true or not true? Couldn't be further Bull from the truth. Shit, no. you were doing great stuff at a very young age, uh, when the likes of me and other people were. 
scram- you well you were I remember well I can tell you this the first we were talking about it earlier the first thing I ever saw him in uh, was I keep wanting to say Twelfth Night it, it, it was, was Twelfth Night yeah night. Um, was Twelfth Night uh, and you were playing oh Orsino. Orsino. Um and uh, and I remember sitting there going ah, you know like where was it at the public or was it at Lincoln, Lincoln Center? Center yes yeah. Lincoln Center uh, I remember thinking like how does a, a young guy my age get this fucking part you know. Like, <laughs> Um, I knew the director. <laughs> oh, I know you did. I'd worked, um, with, I'd worked with him before. Um, but it, it did feel like Paul was always working. Like, right. And I don't think that's completely unfair to say. Well, I think that because we both were living in New York, and we were just talking about this earlier with some other actors that were our, kind of our peer group and how we have been friends for a long time. and that's, We all kind of were here and doing plays. Right. And... And I remember Jessica, I'm like, God, he's, I felt that same thing. Like, how did that guy get into David Lynch? Like, that's so badass. Right. I could never, I, like, I was just hoping to get auditions like that. You ever meet with uh, David Lynch? Did you ever get a, a meeting? Never met, never met him. Never or never read for him or anything. I Cer- prevented that from happening. <laughs> David, <laughs> if you can take one thing away like, from my class, I actually go back to Shakespeare. Uh, I was like, listen, uh, you're not meeting my guy. Listen, uh, this guy was in Clueless. You can never meet with this guy again. I did. Um, I was in a photograph once. They did Paramount Pictures did a hundred year oh, anniversary, okay. and there was this, uh, like a hundred people uh, on a soundstage getting their picture taken. And I happened to be standing. I got in it, and I was standing next to David. Lynch. Oh, because it's probably so I, Elephant Man for him was uh, with Paramount, uh, maybe. I, yeah, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah I think so. By the way, guess who wasn't in that picture? Elephant Man. Poor John Merrick was not in. Will the hate never end? Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, he's <laughs> a human being. <laughs> he's not an animal. <laughs> I mean, they invite the guy in for a photo. They had him in the back, and they were just whipping him with a yeah. carny cane, going, get yeah, out there to the picture, John, and put the bag over your head. <laughs> Nobody wants to see it. There's the, that's the one flaw in that movie. He had one hole to look at in that sack. Yeah. <laughs> um... Oh my gosh! What to talk about? Oh, this movie—I really like this movie. I honestly do. Thanks. Um, it's uh, from Duncan Jones, as I uh, referenced earlier. What I like about it is, and this is, I think, a good byproduct of this crazy Netflix world we're in now, is like they're allowing movies like this, these passion projects that are. This is a weird movie. It's—it's it's not going to be for everyone, and I mean that yeah. in a good way. No, like, split people. Yeah, totally. So I'm curious. Like, are you guys knowing what I do about you guys? I—I I think I know the answer to this, but are you attracted to kind of like unique passion projects when you kind of like? The vision might be crazy. Again, it might not be for everybody, but at least it's coming from an authentic, strong place I, point of view. Yes and yes and yes. But I think, or I'll speak for myself, but the first, the thing that I was most attracted to, uh, and I think most actors are attracted to, is, is, is talented directors, um, of which I, uh, Mark Duncan, one of them. Um, uh, and we'd both seen Moon, and we, we both talked about this, where we you know, absolutely love that movie. Um, and so, you know, you, you file wonderful directors away in your head and you hope that someday you're going to get to work with them. So when I heard that this existed um, and the script was sent to me, I was very eager to read it and then read it and really liked the character. So it's a, it's a confluence of all those things. Right. It's not necessarily whether it's Netflix or that. I mean, I love that there's a, a home for all these kinds of movies and there's not seemingly an endless supply of channels for all kinds of creative outlets. Right. Um, and it's obviously a very crowded space, but um, I think it's, it's just nice when um, when 
when I guess studios or channels or streaming services just say yes, go at it and have and and do what you want to do. I mean, it's been the gripe of most directors their entire lives, which is you know you have some. You know, you either have one of three studios sitting on top of you, going, "Get the budget down," and and here's your notes. Um, right. So it's nice when a when when a director can sort of. Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you guys know it more than I do, being in the trenches. But like, I feel like the the kinds of movies that you can get greenlit by a studio at a certain price point are getting more and more limited. And like, you know, I think of something like even in your career, like Tropic Thunder, which I always mm-hmm. have to bring up because I consider it one of the best comedies of like the last twenty years. Oh, like, it's it's a sweet. piece of genius, and like. That was a big budget movie. That yeah, wasn't. But I don't think you could do it again. That's what I mean, I'm like, yeah. I mean, it, you know, and that was even then a particular movie, in that you know we made it for a, a pretty large budget, right? And the scope was pretty big, um, and even and it was an R-rated movie. So even at the time, you know, there was enormous pressure to make it PG-13, take out some of the more hard-charging jokes, um, and so. Even then, we were like, uh, how are we going to get away with this? And there was a single-mindedness in Ben's direction right. uh, where he basically just said, this is the movie we want to make. And we waited for a long time to make it. You know, it wasn't like they were like, we love the script. It's greenlit, go. You know, uh, they, you know we, we, we basically said, you know, well, if you don't want to make this movie for this price, then don't make it. Right. Um, and eventually they came around. Yeah, because I, I don't know about you, but like, I, I always gravitate towards like, even if they, some of these movies don't end up succeeding, and the ones we're talking about have, like Tropic Thunder was a success, but like when like Coppola did like one from the heart, right? Like when he did like the thing like on like sound stages, right. it's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just like it when <laughs> they go for Cloud Atlas from the Wachowskis. Like I don't know, I just like it when I can see just like Jupiter un- ascending. Yeah, crazy yeah. movie. Insane, <laughs> insane movie. What Eddie Redmayne was doing in that movie, I have no idea, but I love it. What everyone was doing. Uh, no! <laughs> um, it look anytime you, uh, yes, a director who has a clear vision of what it is they want to do, uh, it's exciting. It's and and whether it work, works or not, I want to see what it is that they're gonna make. Right, and if. And to be able to, you know, be a part of something like that is it's it's always a, an exciting ride. Do, do you have films that that stick out on your respective resumes that were maybe that fit the kind of things we're talking about or not, but like that still stick in your craw that they didn't find the right audience and that you were clearly proud of them? But I have one which uh, many people disagree with me on, but I did a movie uh, uh, that David Gordon Green did called Your Highness. Uh, which, was going to be the one I was going to mention. Oh, really? I Great. love your voice. I, I, <laughs> Great. You know, and look, I'm a small part of it, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I, I thought McBride and Franco were hilarious, and I thought the concept of the movie was hilarious. I thought it was something I'd never seen. It was um, like Crawl. Yes. It was like Crawl meets <laughs> Labyrinth meets yeah, whatever. It's awesome. Yeah, and I thought it was a hilarious movie. And, and I remember when we went to do press for it, especially with the foreign journalists, it was like we went and sat down, and they are like, so why do you think this movie is funny? You know, you'd be like... <laughs> Uh, I think it's funny because it's, you know, and and it was just glum faces like at the beginning of the junket day. I was like, oh, I thought we made a hilarious movie. And and I still think it's hilarious. Like if it comes on, I'll watch it. Um, But then I was like, why did that? I honestly don't know why that movie didn't. And I guess it's so sort of piquant or so sort of it's so tapping one vein that you if you don't know the vein they're tapping, then you go, oh, I guess it's lost. I even have a theory, which is. Because that was pre-Game of Thrones. If that movie came out after Game of Thrones, I think people would be all in. There's yeah. even a cut scene where, like, I give birth to a dragon. Um, 
<laughs> and it, like, I just think it's removing yeah, most, most movies, I don't though. Know. You do it's that. just yeah. hilarious. But it, you're, it's a good way to put it where you pick one vein. You know, that, that it, it's such a narrow window. Um, and with comedy, it's really narrow. If you're not speaking that language and you don't get the nuance... Like you almost like can't. Fred Armisen you, does that stuff all the time. Yeah, like you where right. you just go like, oh, you were you were being so overly specific that if I showed this to say my mom, she'd think this is a drama. You know, like she would not laugh at a single thing. When you look at like that, the show that they do, documentary now, documentary now, yeah. which I think is one of my is my favorite shows, and it's like parodying very niche material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and some of those episodes almost play like what the one that was like the. Uh, the, uh, someone dreams of corn or something. The the uh, it was a Jiro parody episode, right, yeah. but it played almost mm. as like a piece of drama. Yeah, right. Yeah, that you are. That <laughs> it's so subtle. It's so. It's uh, also the one that they do where he, uh, the Spalding Gray. Yes, uh, you know, it's, like <laughs> yeah. what you're going after totally. is so spot on right. and so brilliant. Uh, it's funny we were just talking about it too with the Blue Jean Committee. Um, just like an hour ago, yeah, uh, yeah. The um, the the people who appreciate it, uh, the ones who appreciate it, really appreciate right. it. But it's it's easy to kind of overlook or not really see if that's not your thing. Um, so for you, you're underappreciated is probably Gen Y cops. Is that, is that the one? <laughs> well, clearly. Do you know about Gen Y cops? No, it's Gen Y cops. Gen Y Paul? cops. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gen Y cops is. Is this anything like Crackle and Chill? It's uh, <laughs> it, it's not it's it it's the same but different. Okay. Uh, um, there, this was a movie that also my wanting to do it was for all of those meta reasons, but not for the enjoyment of watching it. So you got what you wanted out of it, I but got unfortunately, what I wanted. I got offered a part <laughs> in a all Cantonese. Um, Asian martial arts FBI killer robot movie that was the sequel to Gen X Cops okay. called Gen Y Cops. So this kind of like radical. Uh, They're more radical than Gen yes. X. It's kind of like a, like, and uh, shot it in Hong Kong. And wait, oh, wait. You told me about this yeah, movie when yeah. we were in Berlin. And I play He's got blonde hair. Blonde got hair. Blonde hair. I'm oh, the, Googling I'm the, right now. I'm the head yeah, of like, the FBI. I remember you showing yeah. me a picture. And if you're listening at home, you can Google along with me. Yeah. Um, uh, it's Gen was Y there, Was there a language barrier with you and the, the crew? Like, how did you... Yeah. Yeah. But nobody... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. But we had like 12 pages to film a day. And... Uh, no, it was uh, super weird and surreal and great. And, you know, I don't do martial arts, but there was a scene <laughs> there I was supposed That's to do so martial good. arts. There's one other guy, one other American in the film, and he did martial arts. And you wouldn't know him, or you wouldn't have known him then, but a couple of years later, he did gain some notoriety as Afro Ninja. Do you remember that early viral clip of the I guy? I do. Does the backflip but lands badly and gets up and tries to use nunchucks right. to, and he stumbles away. His name's Mark. He's a great guy. <laughs> Mark, That's who I started in Gen Y. Constant, <laughs> so as well good. as I'm uh, pictures Maggie now. Q was in it and Jackie Chan was one of the producers. Uh, God, and the you. whole thing was so um, so crazy. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, that's it. Look at that. <laughs> that's a memorable head of hair. It's like yeah. uh, I had to go through several. Um, Scalp uh, treatments. burning treatments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is this enough? No, yeah. not yet. Yeah. 
calls like, Blonder, Blonder. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, 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 that's amazing, first of all. <laughs> um, it's nothing like Crackle and Chill. So, relating it to Mute, I'll, uh, let's talk about your looks in the film, because <laughs> I basically <laughs> did my Gen Y cops look at this film. Yeah, lifted my I look. Like, I, I first met with Doug, and I said, hey, have you seen Gen Y cops? Yeah, what are you going this for? This is Paul was attached. Is this a little, like, John Lennon-y, but on a bad day? No, this, it's, like this, was, little... this was not my idea. This was um, Duncan's uh, vision for both of our characters, which was... Uh, when we both uh, got the parts, he said, "He said I want you guys to revisit um, Altman's Mash, um, and I want you to look at you know uh, Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould, and that's basically the dynamic that I'm I want to adhere very close to. Um, so the you know the the wig was already in process. I just had to get it fit to my head. Yeah, um, and then enter the mud and chops for you. Absolutely. If yeah. you look at we look exactly like those characters from the movie. That's that, and down to the Hawaiian shirts and the, yeah, it, it, that was the, uh, that was the template." It's funny because, like, you know, the, the old cliche is like, as you've never seen them before. But I think that could apply to your characters in this. I've never seen either of you yeah, I don't this. Know. Excuse me. I yeah. don't know. Construction Pardon outside. Me, yeah. um, but <laughs> Construction, huh? Okay. Yeah, huh? Construction in your lower abdominals. Got... What, did you have a jackhammer for lunch? <laughs> oh, boy. I got to go. I'll see you later. <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where we do fart humor. <laughs> Um, but what was that? Oh, yeah. so, that was Paul. Is that what your is that what your, is that what your flatulence sounds like? All of that? They call that one Pussy Willow. He names all his farts. <laughs> That's the mayor. <laughs> the mayor. Because the mayor. The mayor. M A R E. Basso Profundo. Y O R. I can't. The mayor. It's the M A H E R. The Mar. The Mar. The Mar. Oh, oh no, that's the Mar. I got that confused. The Mar is like the mayor. It's just a bit more political. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird if you're a mayor to be more political if you're a Mar. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So but I would say that going by the handbook of Hollywood, which there is one, I assume. There's a Hollywood handbook. Yeah, you haven't shown it to anyone yet. <laughs> but when I look at Paul Rudd and I see Justin Thoreau, these are not necessarily the kinds of characters without revealing too much about the lengths they go that pop up. So that needs to say that's exciting for you guys. Yeah, it was. Yes. It was exciting to play. And, and it was very, uh, I felt honored that some, somebody like Duncan would maybe think of me certainly to play uh, a role like that. Is it, so is there at this point in your respective careers, an adjective, a something you see in a script about the character, potential character you're playing that is an an immediate turnoff that makes you either, Close the script, or throw it against the wall. I, uh, I have one for when when I read lines that say certain things. When any character says like blah 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 blah, and besides blah 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 blah, you know like you don't I, say that. No one says like you know should we go out to you know look you should go out to dinner with her. She seems like a good girl. And besides, what else are you going to be doing? You know, like, to yeah. me, it's like a hacky writing thing that makes yeah. me throw scripts at walls. I'm like, no one says besides. No one says besides, and nobody ever says another person's name. As many right. times, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a politician. Like, look, Jeff, I told you Thursday. <laughs> yeah. You got to stop with this. Yeah, but Paul, system. sometimes you do read scripts. <laughs> well, Justin, they... give him a shot for a second. All right, Josh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I always notice it when they're using uh, names or not speaking, like you said, the yeah. way people talk in life. Yeah. So you transform for these roles. How big are you into the Christian Bale transformational academy? Like, are you the kind of actors? That- I love it. I mean, like, I, 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 I mean, I love when people. I mean, I think ideally that's what 
actors are supposed to do. You know what I mean? Is is to try and do everything to throw you off the scent of who the actual person is, um, and uh, and it gets difficult when you're someone like Christian Bale. You know, like who's so famous, and you have to. You know, uh, but I, you know, I, I, I buy it every time I see him in something that's, you know, oh, yeah. full. I mean, just yeah. those pictures I've seen of him as Cheney are look incredible. Him, him in particular, he seems to kind of reserve his own category. I mean, that that guy's amazing. Um, I, you know, it's. I have a sometimes I like I I love. I think it depends on the actor and the part too. But it definitely, uh, yeah. But I love seeing somebody like Daniel Day-Lewis make all of these you, where you changes where you can't believe it's the same person. Right. Um, and a lot this, of times that's vocal too, or, you know, it's not necessarily just putting on a, a pair of funny glasses or, you know, um, yeah. And yet on the flip side, I also, I really like and really respond to, uh, actors who strip away every external thing they're not trying to look different. They're not trying to sound different. They are trying to distill whatever it is that they're doing into um, a few moments that are uh, universally empathetic or uh, relatable. And uh, uh, when all of that artifice is stripped away and it's none of that, uh, that, right. that, that is probably my very favorite. So what's a good example of that? Is there one that pops to mind? Uh, I was actually, we were talking uh, earlier, uh, roles we love. I'd say um, hmm. there's, there's something to me that one, uh, incredibly moving about Timothy Spall's performance in Secrets and Lies. And uh, that is not, you know, even though he doesn't really, I guess, like speak like that or anything, there, there, he doesn't do much right and i remember seeing that movie in the theater and i was thinking he's such a great actor but he's kind of looks like he's coasting through this movie he's not doing he's not doing much of anything right uh and you have somebody who's also incredible in the movie brenda blethin who was getting a lot of the press about it but there's a moment nearing the end of the film where timothy spall is uh uh, standing amongst these women that he has, th- that he loves, he says, "Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it!" And he loses, loses it, and says, "Like the three women I love the most in my life can't stand each other, and I can't take it anymore." And all of this stuff that he'd just been sitting on throughout the whole movie comes out, and I found it to be the most moving, uh, memorable, and resonant performance. I think that. I mean, for of all time for wow. me. That for me, that's how the effect. And it was an incredible lesson. And I thought, here's a guy that trusts what he's doing, and there's no bells and whistles, none, nothing. Uh, but it's working on such uh, almost a subconscious level, I think, for for an audience member. That then it it everything in this one moment later on, uh, everything that preceded it is justified, and it's incredible and it's an it's a real actor's kind of performance where it's, i think it's the kind that are easy to miss of course yeah, yeah so that's that is to me uh the the most thrilling to to watch <laughs> <laughs>
Sorry. Uh, that's a, that's a mega Rumpelstiltskin. He titled that one Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. It's three in a row. It's because it's been sitting inside for a hundred years waiting to, <laughs> ready, waiting to get out. I was just using the the, uh, the fart medley to just segue when I didn't have one. <laughs> exactly. By the way, I'm glad you did because it it's got like two st- real No, no, I love that stuff. You got two um, it's like a station identification for a podcast. <laughs> We're going to pause it, now for a quick <laughs> fart station identity. Or is it like, fresh or is yeah, like exactly. a, a, te- a test of the uh, emergency broadcasting <laughs> In the event of an actual emergency, you would be told where to... D- I can say in 200 plus episodes of this podcast, this is the no, farniest one. This is the farniest one. Yeah. Wow. At least this is the Christopher mm. Nolan one. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. Has anyone, have you ever been doing a podcast and ever anyone actually farted? I'm sh- I mean, the law of averages. Not that I'm aware of, but I'm sure. You're not aware of. I always love a newscaster fart. No, no, blooper reels. At the oh, end my of the God. Year. It's the best thing ever. It's just the best. It's the best thing ever. The, be- the best thing ever is watching news bloopers. I know. They're just fabulous. <laughs> I watched, I'm not even kidding, two hours of them yesterday. What? <laughs> really? Oh, for sure. Well, usually around the end of de- December, they, they do those super cuts that yeah. just go on Best forever. Oh, you think, oh the greatest. my God. They're the greatest. That is, I really think that might be my favorite thing in the world to watch. <laughs> so what's your favorite viral video clip? Because I, I, I showed one to my wife the other day that I just randomly thought of. It was, and it, sadly, it's, it involves some pain of a celebrity, but it was Kelsey Grammer is walking and he, and he falls off the stage. Falls I've off seen the stage. that one. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, now they, it used to be like there would be like, it felt like there were like three a year. Now it feels like there's three there's a day, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so it's like. I mean, right. there's the old grape one, the grape stomping one. That was like. Yeah. That's, 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 that's we parodied in we Waterlust. Did. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's we right. We did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the barking that comes out of that poor <laughs> woman. <laughs> <when> she, oh, <laughs> like you could just hear her trying oh, to catch her oh, breath. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's great. <laughs> there's a there's one that oh. I saw in the news blooper that um, was four and a half minutes, <laughs> and it was on BBC, and there was something wrong with the graphic where it just kept breaking news, and uh, and it would cut to the anchor who was sitting at the desk who was just sitting there, unaware that he was on television, <laughs> not doing anything, just sitting there, and to his credit, he just stayed there, didn't do anything embarrassing, but it was just on him for the longest time, and he was kind of blissfully unaware and then it would come back in with breaking news and this and then other shots of you know like somebody carrying a casket <laughs> and then back to breaking news and and then back to the anchor so yeah. and when it goes on for four and a half minutes and I was crying crying <laughs> legitimately tears and then until finally it ends when he realizes and then says good evening <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and oh god, it was anyone any any of them where anyone throws right. up on live television is always good. Yeah, like oh, the yeah. news anchors that you know have to quickly disappear under a desk and <laughs> lose their lunch because they have the flu. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of those right now going around, going around <laughs> uh, that I've seen recently because they have the Packy One Chip Challenge. Oh yeah, I saw that one too. Yeah. yeah. So people throwing up. By the way, same with the cinnamon challenge. Oh, yeah. If you've ever the one. Of the the woman that does the cinnamon challenge, uh, um, oh, I forget her name, and she did a ladle of cinnamon and can't stop coughing and, it's, and trying to. <laughs> it's a miracle she's not dead. It's a. It really Actually, is. A, it, she is lucky. To, that was yeah. like the 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 
Tide Pod challenges of the 90s. I mean, really, I mean, we're just supplanting <laughs> different horrible things. Yeah, just, yeah. Well, we're going to end this podcast with some Tide Pod challenges, <laughs> right? We'll just do it, go around. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Pod. Is this your... That's my um, telephone do, do you know the? Do you know the cinnamon challenge? Uh, of one? course, yeah. Do you see? You know the one I'm talking about? I don't know that one. I, okay. I mean, uh, I've seen a zillion you of them. Can pull it up them, for us in a sec? Okay. Yep. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it like to write a, a role specifically for Mickey Rourke in a film? Fabulous. <laughs> I mean... This is Iron oh, Man God, 2. There's so many great stories. He's just incredible. He's just, um, I had to go pitch him the movie, uh, and we, we ended up getting along very well. I mean, he get, gets along with a lot of people. It's not, he's such a sweetheart. Um, but I, you know, he's, he really is, no matter what he's doing, whether it's an Iron Man or the wrestler or whatever, he just, you know, he wants his lines early. He wants to really work on them. And then he come in, comes in and just executes, you know, like, um, and just to have, you know, I've, I've been very blessed and lucky to have many wonderful actors say some of the things I yeah. got to write. Um, Did he have any any, any uh, interesting notes or ideas that didn't make it to the script stage? That no, not really. I mean, he, you know, he had thoughts. You know, he he he. I mean, t- I mean, talk about a, a guy who researches a role. He went to. I mean, he's playing a, a Russian ex prisoner. Blah, blah blah blah. He went to Russia. Went to prisons. Like, did the whole <laughs> freaking thing. I mean, like. I mean, and you're thinking, well, you're playing Whiplash. I don't know if you, you know, but, you know, it's, you're not, it's not, uh, you know, playing Lincoln, but, um, but, uh, but he did, you know, and I, I just liked him because he, he has a kind of um, a, a seriousness. He, ta- he just takes everything he does so seriously, yeah. which I really appreciate. No, yes. Yeah. Um, there were, uh, there were, we obviously know Mr. Mr. Rudd is in the, well into the Marvel universe as Ant-Man. I think, I can't believe it's like you've done like five films as Ant-Man by now. Haven't you shot like five different movies? Um... Two, three, two, two Ant Mans, three, ten, yeah, something like that, yeah, two or three Avengers or something like that, something right? Something like that. It's crazy to me. Well, what I was going to say is there were rumors. I remember at one point for you, Doctor Strange, Justin. Really? Do you remember that being like any truth to that? Was there? I, any I remember catching wind of it, but there was never any uh, communication about that. I think they had they had who they wanted in mind, which would be which was fabulous. Yeah, I loved that. So, um, does it still does Ant Man still feel like? Like you're just getting it sorted out, or does it now feel like you have played this guy a number of times? No, I feel like I've played him. I, did, I feel like it's the the newness of it all uh, is is gone uh, as far as you know knowing the world and the part and all of that. Sure, but the um, novelty of it, and, and certainly the surreal nature of kind of being a part of that world and seeing other actors in their costumes and stuff uh, that never uh, went away or has gone away and so um, it's you know it's a it's a it's a strange thing to be a part of something that's so worldwide and just huge I mean, has it changed I mean you were recognizable before mm. Ant-Man yeah does it feel like it's another level of you have to kind of it go feels to other? The only thing where it feels different is that um, kids didn't know who I was as much as they do now. Right. So, uh, you know, like my kids, they're friends. They're like, you're, you're Ant-Man. I go to pick up my daughter at school. She's in second grade and the kids in her class are like, are you Ant-Man? Just, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> second grade, when my son was in second grade, I didn't go pick him up and they would say, Wait, were you in the 40-year-old virgin? <laughs> <laughs> Children pointing at Justin being like, Your Highness. <laughs> that never happened. The leftovers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that mostly kindergartners in the first grade were the leftovers, yeah. Do you You're know? the guy that cries on the left. <laughs> That's a really morbid take on spirituality. <laughs> I'm like, you're in second grade. Why are you? 
Did they ever let you read the entire Avengers script for this last, the, either of these last two? Did they let anybody read the entire scripts for those movies? They give it a word at a time. Uh, yes, they're no, like, they're they're pretty. They they kind of play it all. They're pretty private about that stuff. Is that tough for you as an actor, or can you feel? I guess you just have trust. I was able in. to read. I was able to read. Uh, I was able to read stuff, and uh, I don't think that it was. It was really. They were trying to be secretive from us about certain things at all, uh, or not let us read anything. Um, it's just I think they, they're, but, but I mean, it just security like, as yeah. far as like you know, you put anything, anything, you print anything out, you leave a script anywhere that gets picked up, and now there are people whose job it is to try and find stuff out and put it all out there, and right. that's a drag. I don't so even know why just, that job exists. Like, what's the point? Who cares? I mean, like, don't yeah. you? Just, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of which, you were you some they somehow kept your part in Star Wars pretty pretty quiet. Yeah, up until I didn't even tell anyone. I mean, I, I like it was one of those things where I mean, again, it's a cameo, so it's not like a. And when I got the script, it was literally like a black page with my line. <laughs> you know, everything else was redacted. Um, I mean, I knew roughly what the storyline was, but um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're the same way. I mean, they're so secretive. I mean, even when you're on a studio lot, you're walking around, you know, with a sheet around you, you know, and and, and an umbrella or something. You know, it's yeah, that's true. That's right. Yeah, when you go on, and you're in your wardrobe. It's putting a cape around you. There are photographers everywhere. And- it's yeah. crazy. So, uh, uh, can you tell me? Uh, I'm just curious, Justin, like how that one came about. Did you know Ryan or was no? That- Ryan, uh, d- I guess, wanted to have a meeting with him. It was a couple, like a year or so before uh, they started. Uh, I don't. I think the script was just coming together, and he, we had one of those incredibly awkward lunches where he said, "Hey, I really like you, and uh, I would love for you to do this. I can't tell you anything about it. I can't tell you what it is, um, and uh, but I, you know, I, and I can't make any promises. I just hope it. I hope it works out." And I said, "Great." Never heard from him again. Then, uh, as they were sort of gearing up to start, he uh, he reached out to me again and basically just said, "Look, um, the part that I had in mind for you has been so reduced because I've had to service all the other characters and whatever." And um, and uh, you know, the, the, you know, from inception of the idea to execution of the script, I think obviously he had a, a different, you know. Once all the forces came together, it became a much different thing. Um, and he said, uh, it, now it's really just a, a cameo, you know, at this point. And he said, would you be interested? I'd still love for you to do it. And I was like, of course I would love to do it. Um, so uh, he brought me in. And I just went to London for three days and had a blast, saw some friends and, and shot it. And, uh, and yeah. Have you been petitioning J.J. for a, a larger arc no, for Master God, no. Codebreaker? No, 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 no. I mean, like, I think, you know, it is one of those kind of like, things where you just go like I can't believe I'm on this set I mean we, I mean I'm a huge fan of, of the franchise from early on and uh, from the first one um, uh, and so you know to um, I just thought it was you know it's just it is one of those like bucket listy yeah. I mean my god who wouldn't want to do it it's interesting I mean like thinking about you know your two careers in parallel like I feel like something you guys do share is that you've been able to kind of lead a couple different lives in that like you both have written films that you've uh, been in or not been in. You've been in ginormous kinds of movies that we've been talking about, but also independent films. Like I'm curious, like, and also the comedic side, you both clearly have uh, similar uh, temperaments in comedy and embrace kind of, you know, subversive comedy in a big way, but are still able to kind of do things like mute. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, like, did either of you ever feel like you had to, you were going to have to make a choice? Was there a concern like, I'm going to have to give up one side to service the other? I think that's kind of a, 
um, uh, you know, the idea that you have to just do one thing is kind of a misnomer. And I've, I've definitely tripped up some stairs and been lucky in, in, in certain areas and then worked hard on other things. And then, but, I, but, you know, I think usually at least, and I, Paul's, I think the same way, it's usually you sort of just gravitate towards what you, what you think is quality. And if you, if you adhere to that, um, you'll have a varied career. Um, and that might not even be acting in some of those things that I've written where I've been like, I could put myself in it, but I actually think it's better for this person mm-hmm. or that person would actually be better in that part than I would, be. you know, like, so I think as long as you're sort of always, um, if you're patient enough to wait and go, you know what, I, yes, that w- I understand that that's a good director, but I don't really like their movies or what they do. I'd rather not do that. Um, whenever I've made a, like a career decision that I feel like, oh, I'd be smart to do this. Right. I always am miserable, you know, and whenever I make the decision of like, you know what, that'll be fun, you know, or that, that is interesting to me or then, uh, or this script is great. Um, you know, they don't always come out great, but at the same time, or, or they're not always big successes, but, but I'm usually happier in the making of the thing. Um, and I think, you know, uh, following your gut is, is, has, has paid dividends for me, you know, creatively. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good point about that. You've enjoyed the making of it because when you do it, we've been doing it, both of us have been doing this for a while now. With each year that goes by, the actual enjoyment of the making of it becomes more, more and more important. Right. And even more important than the reception. Because there's things that I've had a blast on, and they're not big box office hits. They're not, or were never designed to be. Um, uh, but I, ha- I really do like it. Well, you, you know? also have perspective at this point that, like, good, the career's going to, you're going to have a career. And may, you may not, you know, be Tom Cruise tomorrow mm-hmm. or whatever, but you're going to still have opportunities. So you might as well enjoy the process yeah, of working exactly. with people you like yeah. and Absolutely. not sell your Life's soul short. to the devil. Well, also, we both, I know this about Justin, and, and I, I feel the same way, which is, you know, the quality of the stuff that we're working on, you, can, you never know how they're going to turn out, but it, it, that is hugely important to us too. I mean, we want to be in things that we'd want to see. We'd want to be in things that have some sort of uh, artistic integrity and speak to us in some way. Um, as far as uh, kind of staying in this comedic lane that I have for a long time, it's like that, I think at the end of the day, it really is the most fun to work on. Right. And I want, and I'd want to see that stuff probably more than other things. Just at this moment in time, it's like, mm-hmm. I'd, rather, I'd rather just, I'd rather just watch it. If, if I'm going to watch a movie at all, right. G- give me something just funny mm-hmm. or two yeah. hours of news bloopers. Yeah, that's it. By the way, I'd rather watch that than, than a movie. I want to watch <laughs> I, news bloopers. I, I want to watch. People always ask me like, what, what's the funniest movie? I'm like, if I had to go laugh for laugh, like what, what is the movie that I've laughed throughout at? It's usually like a jackass movie or something. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. I consistently will laugh through the entire yeah. film and love it, you know. And and it's it's not brilliantly structured, snappy, comedic dialogue. It's right. just too, you know people getting kicked in the nuts. Not know, so. lie comedy that yeah. you're raising an eyebrow to. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> there are other movies like MacGruber or even yes. or MacGruber, uh, which oh is God. I think a masterpiece. Yeah. And 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 there are several movies. I mean that I can think of Hot Rod or. Um, pop star was amazing. Uh, pop star is incredible. incredible. But move, uh, and and same with some Sasha's movies, where you just see uh, some like these people want to make you laugh, and there's a lack of pretension that comes with that, especially the ones that don't work on every uh, level. 
like when there's so many jokes and you know you could you could pick holes in them and say well this doesn't really work or this isn't that, that funny it's like, well maybe not but these other ones are hilarious and when that is your goal there's a there's a there's an element of not taking yourself seriously, I think, in movies like that that I find to be uh, really endearing, and I root for those movies, and I love watching them. My favorite comedies are the ones that are flawed as actual movies. Right. But uh, I think the inherent joy that they're having of people trying to make me laugh is, is, is just clear. Should we end with a round of uh, fart noises? Fart noises. Uh. Oh, oh Justin wins. That's it. Went What's that me. one called? Uh, that one's called The Phantom. <laughs> Congrats on the movie, guys. Good to see you both. <laughs> nice to see you. Too. Nice to see you. Would you really just ended on farts? That's the best. <laughs> Only for you guys. Good seeing you again. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 